It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. It's crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Later in the show... I'm going to join Bo Brack of Locked On Cardinals on the phone to touch on several topics for this weekend's upcoming NFC West opener in Glendale. We'll start off today's podcast. Some big news coming out of the VMAC. A fan favorite returns home for a second stint, and a 2019 draft pick gets a pink slip. In the second quarter, Bo and I will look at the Cardinals' offense matching up with the Seahawks' defense, and we'll flip the script to close out the show with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks' offense against Chandler Jones and the Cardinals defense. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Coaches and teammates don't sound overly enthused about the possibility Techno Thursday will be returning as part of the package, but the Seahawks are fired up to welcome back veteran tight end Luke Wilson. Wilson came into the league as a fifth round pick for the Seahawks in 2013. He played college ball at Rice, easily the most successful pick in an otherwise poor draft class for John Schneider and the Seahawks. That 2013 draft class as a whole was just underwhelming, one of the worst in recent memory. And look at all the first rounders that ended up leaving their teams after their rookie contracts. Just not a very good draft class. The Seahawks didn't hit on many players there. A lot of those guys were gone after just a couple seasons. Luke Wilson, though, played his first five seasons in Seattle. He was on their two Super Bowl teams, including the Super Bowl winner over the Denver Broncos. 80 receptions, over 1,100 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns. So he's a guy that can make some plays with the football in his hands as a receiver. Also a quality run blocker as well at the tight end position. Pete Carroll today, speaking with the media, said this about his, I guess we could say, new tight end. With the change that happened, how fortunate could we be to get a guy that we love and knows our program, just a lifeblood energy guy in the program as well, and a really good ball player. We made a switch. We got a chance to get Luke back in it. We're fortunate there. And this all came down after last night, the surprise trade. Seattle sends Nick Vanette to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a 2020 fifth round selection. According to Carroll, the Steelers had been expressing interest in Vanette for quite some time. So they decided now with Luke Wilson still available as a free agent, a guy that knows the system, he's familiar with Seattle, brings a lot of experience, a versatile player at the position with him still being on the free agent market. It made it the right time to make this move and add an additional mid-round pick for next year's draft. The Seahawks obviously cherish those mid-rounders as much as any team in the NFL. So getting another fifth rounder, this pick is actually originally from the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was acquired 
in a trade that sent Joshua Dobbs, a backup quarterback, to Jacksonville. So this is a pick that has now moved hands twice in the last few weeks. The Seahawks now get to benefit with an extra fifth round pick. Wilson is well known for his personality and his radio interviews. I can tell you the Seattle media is absolutely ecstatic about having the Windsor, Canada native back in the Pacific Northwest. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He's a fun-loving guy. So glad to have him back in Seattle. Certainly a a well-revered player in the locker room, even if players like Bobby Wagner are saying, we're going to have to chat a little bit about the possibility of Techno Thursday coming back. Uh, It sounds to me like Pete Carroll is going to try to make sure that gets axed out and does not return. But Luke Wilson, on the other hand, he seemed very adamant today in his press conference that absolutely Techno Thursday is coming back. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But his return is especially critical for the Seahawks now, not just because Vinette's gone, but Pete Carroll didn't sound overly optimistic about Ed Dixon's return from knee surgery. Carroll said he's up against the clock right now to make it back off injured reserve. He's still rehabbing that knee injury. And interestingly enough, when he had that operation in August, Carroll thought it was going to be a four or five week rehab. But he was obviously not ready for the start of the regular season. They kept him on the active roster just long enough that they could put him on IR and still have him be eligible to return. He could return after week eight, but Carroll's making it sound like they're a little bit concerned right now about him being able to do that as he's still taking part in his rehab coming off that surgery. So bringing in Luke Wilson now an even bigger deal. If there's a possibility Dixon might not be able to make it back for the Seahawks, that's a big deal at the tight end position. And a couple other moves to discuss here. The Seahawks reportedly promoted safety Adrian Colbert from the practice squad. And this has not been confirmed. This is just based on information coming out of the VMAC as well as a tweet from the player himself. But it sounds like receiver Gary Jennings, the fourth round pick out of West Virginia, is going to be released to make room for Colbert to be promoted to the active roster. Colbert is a player that started 12 games for the San Francisco 49ers the last two years. He's a former seventh-round pick out of Miami. He actually started his college career at Texas, played in uh, at Texas for the Longhorns three years, then transferred to Miami. Very athletic, has good size. Uh, this is a guy that runs in the 4-3, range on his 40-yard dash. So we're talking about a really speedy safety that maybe we'll have a chance now. We know that free safety is still an open position. Tedrick Thompson's missed a couple games. He was back as a, a full participant at practice today, but the jury's out if he's capable of being a starting free safety in this league. Lano Hill's been playing, but he's more suited to play that strong safety spot. Colbert could certainly be a player the Seahawks are very intrigued by as a possibility to play that free safety position. Carroll was gushing about him last week when they signed him to the practice squad, and they had other teams that were looking at trying to sign him to their active roster. They did not want to risk losing him, so they made the move today to promote him. As for Jennings, he was injured after the Seahawks drafted him in the fourth round. He missed rookie minicamp. He missed some extended time with a hamstring injury. And once he came back, he had a really hard time throughout training camp in the preseason. He had a number of penalties. He had more penalties in uh, the preseason than he did actual receptions. Just one reception in the preseason really struggled to uh, figure things out. And with David Moore coming back last week from his broken humerus bone, not a surprise to me at all that Jennings is the one that's getting cut. If he clears waivers, which being a fourth round pick, there's a good chance somebody's going to take a shot on him. If indeed he's cut, maybe the Seahawks are trying to work out a last second trade to move him out of town, but nothing was on the transaction wire today. But if he is waived 
and he clears waivers. The Seahawks have an opening on that practice squad now with Colbert being moved up. There's a good chance they could try to bring him back into the fold in the practice squad and a signal that we're not necessarily giving up on you. We just need room on the roster. They had seven receivers, and now that Moore is healthy, it's tough to keep that many receivers on the active roster unless there's injuries there, and they're healthy at that position now. So possibility he could be back on the practice squad. Maybe he finds his way back to the active roster at some point. I know he's a player that they were intrigued by even after that bad preseason that he had and a rough training camp where it really took him a while to get in a groove. They still kept him on the active roster over players like Jazz Ferguson, who was more productive during the preseason. And so he wasn't quite a Chris Harper where he got cut right out of training camp like Harper did in 2013, but uh, certainly not the start to his career Jennings was hoping for. Maybe this is the wake-up call. He gets back on the practice squad or somebody else gives him a chance and he can turn things around, but the Seahawks needed the roster spot. So it looks like, and we don't have this confirmed yet, but it looks like he is going to be hitting the waiver wire and the Seahawks will be adding another safety to the fold in Adrian Colbert. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Coming up after the break, I'll be joining Bo Brack of Locked On Cardinals for Crossover Wednesday. We'll kick off the second quarter looking at the Seahawks defense against the Cardinals offense, and then we'll later flip the script in the third quarter with the Seahawks offense against the Cardinals defense. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let me tell you about the most useful app on my phone. It's hard to find time to sit down and read these days. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is a really unique app that works on your phone, tablet, and browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, you know, the need-to-know information, from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to in your crowded daily schedule. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library, from self-help, business, health, to history books. When I'm traveling for away games, I use Blinkist and have read popular top sellers such as Fire and Fury and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want at one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash locked on. Before we move forward, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go and you could increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. 
Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We're back here, Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Bo Brock. We are uh, joined by this Locked On Seahawks broadcast as well. Our guy Corbin from over there is joining us. Thanks for joining us, uh, Corbin. Appreciate it, man. As always, always love talking football, especially when it's an NFC West matchup, the first one of the year for the Seahawks. So this should be an enticing matchup in Arizona. Absolutely. And I got to ask you just right off the bat before we kind of deep dive this Cardinals offense versus the Seahawks defense. Are the are the Seahawks coming into this game pissed off after that loss to the Saints at home? Well, they should be. I mean, that was one of the most embarrassing efforts. And I don't like using that word because, you know, teams are going to lose games. Mm-hmm. It was just the way that they lost it. Horrible tackling, especially on Kamara, which, yeah, he's a stud. But this is a team that normally prides itself in being a really good tackling team. And that might have been the worst display of tackling I have seen by a Seahawks squad since Pete Carroll's been here, and they've been pretty good most of this year, the first two games, tackling. So that was kind of surprising and and giving away a bunch of points. They spotted the Saints. You could argue they spotted them 20 points in this game. They they gave up 13 in the first half that they shouldn't have given up. A punt return for a touchdown, a fumble return for a touchdown, and then they had them stopped in the third quarter, and then they had a really silly penalty on a field goal attempt that actually was missed, and the Saints ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive after the drive got extended. So they should be upset because they really they, they had twice as many yards the, as the Saints did, and they still lost this football game because of all those silly mistakes that they made. Yeah, you saw Russell Wilson kind of in garbage time in that game, really put up some eye-popping numbers. He had a fantastic game. Where'd he go? Over 400 yards passing. He found the end zone twice, both on the ground and through the air. Uh, right at the end, I mean, they were playing till the final whistle. They find the end zone and make it a little more respectable, thirty-three to twenty-seven loss. But just hearing you describe last week's game, it's like you could just substitute the Seattle names and the and the uh, the Saints names for Arizona names and Carolina names. It, it almost was so similar how it worked out. Instead of Alvin Kamara, it was Christian McCaffrey running all over this Cardinals defense. The tackling was just horrible. And insert, you know. This might be too nice to Cliff Kingsbury to put him in the same conversation as Pete Carroll, but these are two teams coming off very poor performances. And uh, I got to admit, I mean, just looking at it from the Cardinals offensive standpoint, a lot of people were excited about this Cardinals offense after two weeks of play, Corbin, and now they're kind of back down in the dumps. Uh, Is this Seattle team, is this Seahawks defense a team that you could get right against? 
Well, I'm, I'm going to be hesitant to say you can get right against them. What you have to hope is the Seahawks can beat themselves because that's what they have been doing. They almost did it the first two games of the year. It's just been the same silly mental mistakes that if they could just get those corrected, they would have easily won the first two games. And I think they would have easily won against the Saints. That's how, I mean, when you spot a team 20 points, it totally changes the complexion of a game. And like I said earlier, they really only gave up two touchdowns on defense in this football game. Teddy Bridgewater had 170-something passing yards. He was efficient with the with his attempts, but they only threw the ball to receivers a handful of times in this game. Michael Thomas had five catches, and then Ted Ginn had two, and no other receivers even had targets. So most of their damage was being done by Kamara, and the Seahawks simply let him take over the game by missing tackles, which I don't anticipate they are going to do that again a second straight week. Pete Carroll is a defensive coach. He is not going to put up with that. I would anticipate their tackling is going to be better. So I think this defense is better than the numbers show. And the Steelers game, they gave up two touchdowns where they were given really short fields. So the numbers are misleading. They gave up quite a bit of yardage in the Bengals game, but they were able to bend and not break, didn't give up too many points because of that. The couple touchdowns they did give up in that game were on broken plays that shouldn't have happened. So, again, it's, it's silly mental miscues. So if they continue to do that, obviously Arizona's got a great chance to be able to put some points on the board. If the Seahawks can put everything together and they can avoid some of those miscues, I think this defense can still be really, really good, especially if that pass rush gets going. Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting question. Corbin Smith, of course, Locked On Seahawks, joins us here on Locked On Cardinals, part of your crossover Wednesday. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Corbin Smith NFL. And you kind of went through the first games of, these, of the season for the Seahawks, and you look at that defense, and the first game, it seemed like they were having a party in the backfield and really giving fits to a guy like Andy Dalton and the Bengals, but the final score, it's only a one-point difference. The Seahawks squeak out a win at home. Then you have, of course, Ben Roethlisberger go down Against when they're facing off against the Steelers, you've got Mason Rudolph, who actually had a pretty good game in relief of Big Ben. That's a two-point win for the Seahawks. And then you mentioned Bridgewater; he has a good game against the Saints. Not great. What do you envision? Uh, where do you envision this Seahawks defense really having fits with a guy like Kyler Murray? My biggest concern is getting him down if they can get into the backfield pressure-wise, just because of how athletic he is. And obviously, they get to go against Wilson at practice. And so certainly they're used to those guys that can move the pocket. But sure. uh, this is a different animal. Teddy Bridgewater is not really a scrambling quarterback necessarily. He's more of a pocket passer. But he had some nice scrambles last week for the Saints too. So Seattle's got to go into this game concerned about that. They, their pass rush has been sporadic. They've got all these new pieces that they've added. Ziggy Anza made his debut last weekend. And, and quite frankly, in the game, I didn't think he did much. But when I went back and watched film, there were several plays where he was on the verge of getting a sack. If Bridgewater wouldn't have unloaded the ball as quickly as he did, I mean, he made some nice moves. So I think his second game back, he could be a real difference maker. Clowney's still waiting for him to really show up. He's, he's made some plays, but then he'll disappear for time. So I don't know if he's still adjusting to the scheme or whatnot, but Certainly, they've got the guys up there to put some pressure on Murray, but the real question, can you get him down? And teams have had success doing that. That Cardinals offensive line, now we're familiar with J.R. Sweezy on that group, and then the rest of those guys are still there. Uh, really been a struggle giving up 16 sacks up to this point. So this has to be a game that the Seahawks have to feel like we should be able to get pressure on him. The problem is 
we have to contain him too. We can't let him get outside. And if he does that, it's really going to be difficult for the secondary to be able to maintain coverage on receivers, especially against this offense. So I, I think they can rush the passer well here. The question is going to be, can you get Kyler Murray down? He's running the ball really well when he's had opportunities. And so that, that presents a totally different dynamic than they're used to seeing from Cardinals quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think that the Cardinals offense needs to see a new dynamic come into play week four against the Seahawks where number 31 David Johnson really gets rolling as far as the run game because if they don't we're going to probably see a repeat of the first three weeks we did actually get to see Kyler Murray get out and go in week three against Carolina kind of an emphasis on the first drive and the bulk of his yardage came from that first drive but 69 yards on the on the ground but we only saw 37 from DJ and the previous week before that he was in the teens as far as rushing the football and in the first week was his most successful running performance he had 84 yards and the the Cardinals put up their best offensive performance of the season so we'll see if they can certainly do that Uh, what scares me is you you did mention some big names on that pass rush Ziggy Ansah of course Jadavian Clowney Uh, you got Bobby Wagner of course in in the middle of that linebacking crew Uh, I I just gotta imagine that is going to be a lopsided affair going up against an offensive line that was kind of lackluster the first two weeks of the season and then absolutely imploded against Carolina giving up eight sacks. I would think that that's going to be a big difference maker in this game. If if Arizona blocks like they did against Carolina and Seattle cannot get pressure, then that's going to be really worrisome for Pete Carroll. And and there's another guy who will throw out there, Quentin Jefferson, one of their versatile linemen that can play inside and he can play defensive end. He has been a monster the first three weeks. He has been their best defensive lineman. Not Clowney, not Ziggy Anza. It's been Quentin Jefferson. So I think they can get interior pressure too with him, Puna Ford, and those guys. Their run defense has been pretty has been pretty stout the first three weeks. It's just been the inconsistencies with that pass rush. So that to me is the biggest X factor in this entire game. How does that Cardinals offensive line look? Do they bounce back a little bit being back at home? Or are they going to continue playing like they did last week? And Seattle's going to see some things on film Carolina did and try to move that over to this game. They've certainly got the talent to be able to do that. Yeah, a couple keys there. Obviously, offensive line play from the Cardinals. I think that a guy like Kyler Murray has to maybe take a little bit uh, more opportunities, maybe a few more chances, maybe be a few a little bit more aggressive throwing the football. Is that because his offensive line isn't giving him enough time? Uh, that's probably a... a that's that's a tough question to answer and then getting that run game going with David Johnson those are certainly some keys for this Cardinals offense and uh, maybe what do you have Corbin as far as a couple keys for this defense uh, going into week four of this of this NFL season so obviously I've mentioned the pass rush is, is critical to me and I don't necessarily need to see a bunch of sacks but they need to make Kyler Murray uncomfortable while still not allowing him to get outside the pocket or or move up in the pocket and do damage with his legs. So there's a balance there that you've got to find. To me, the other thing, I am still worried about David Johnson. And, it, and as a runner, obviously, he has his abilities. But I'm most worried about him as a receiver because I look at what Kamara did last weekend to the Seahawks after the catch. They, they had held him down pretty well as a running back for most of this game. He had like 60-something yards on the ground. So the Seahawks, they would accept what they did run game wise with him, but they had some matchups where Michael Kendricks was out there working against him and Kendricks missed several tackles. They had a couple other uh, corners and safeties that missed tackles on him in open field after the catch. So I'm really worried about David Johnson as a receiver in this game. 
And obviously, Larry Fitzgerald has a history of doing some things against the Seahawks. So I always have him circled against that secondary that's still very young, for the most part, aside from Bradley McDougal, a very young, uh, inexperienced group that has shown some improvements the last few weeks. But certainly still, this is not the Legion of Boom secondary. So if you can't get pressure, I think Kyler Murray will have some opportunities to get the ball downfield. The Seahawks have been up and down with that the first three weeks of the season. Corbin Smith locked on Seahawks. Bo Brock locked on Cardinals. It's a crossover Wednesday. On the other side, we're going to flip things. Russell Wilson, the Seahawks offense, is going to try to get it going. A familiar face returns to their offensive scheme. We'll get into who that is and what he could bring to the table against the Cardinals defense that needs to make up for a horrid performance against the Carolina Panthers. We're getting into that next. You're listening to your Locked On Podcast Network. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter what you bet or how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to a crossover Wednesday. Locked On Cardinals, Locked On Seahawks, Bo Brock, Corbin Smith breaking down this week for NFC West showdown. We're starting to get into the division games. The Cardinals winless at 0-2-1. The Seahawks at 2-1 trying to wash a bad taste out of their mouth. A loss at home to the New Orleans Saints. And we're flipping things. We talked about the Cardinals offense versus the Seahawks defense. Got some answers there. Got some keys to the Sunday's matchup. Now we're going to the Cardinals defense versus this Russell Wilson-led Seahawks offense, Corbin. Yeah, I'm really worried about in this game just from the past. I'm thinking about last year in Week 17, how the Seahawks' offensive line had been playing really well up to that point. Most of the middle of the season and even the late part of the season, December, they were protecting Russell Wilson. And then the Cardinals just absolutely ambushed Russell Wilson in that last game of the regular season. And so I'm always highlighting uh, Chandler Jones. I always got him circled because he just always tears up the Seahawks and gets in the backfield and destroys Russell Wilson. So I guess my big question, looking at what the Cardinals have done so far, they obviously have got a brand-new coaching staff. There's some different things going on on defense. Are there any other guys away from Chandler Jones that are kind of making their presence felt in the pass rushing department? Yeah, there's some guys in the preseason. There were some guys, of course, Terrell Suggs had two sacks in his debut for the Cardinals uh, to open up the season at State Farm Stadium. 
in, in the tie against the Detroit Lions. But since then, he's kind of been uh, – we haven't heard a lot from T. Sizzle. Then there's uh, the rookie in Zach Allen. He was a he was a later round pick out of Boston College, a guy that everybody's really excited about. You know about Cassius Marsh, of course. He was he was a kind of a he was a late cut for the Seahawks at the end of preseason. He's been a guy that's had a sack and has shown up as far as the pass rush is concerned. But the one mainstay is the guy like Jones that you've mentioned. Chandler Jones is really the only guy you can rely on on a week in and week out basis to show up as far as the pass rush is concerned. But here's what really takes away from it, Corbin, is their pass rush can have as much success as they want. Unfortunately, the secondary is just in such uh, just disarray that they can't they haven't forced a turnover an interception all season three weeks in the season they have no picks it's dating back to the beginning of the 2018 season this is a secondary even with Patrick Peterson in in 16 of those games they only have seven interceptions as a unit and that's just not getting it done no matter how much pressure they're getting on the quarterback they're just not creating turnovers and that's that's causing a big problem it was a huge problem last week against Carolina where a guy like Zach or I'm sorry Kyle Allen looked like Tom Brady he was an undrafted free agent quarterback that was making his second career start and he threw four touchdowns I'm really curious to see how that plays out with Russell Wilson obviously playing as well as he is these first three weeks because their offensive line, Seattle's offensive line, has looked kind of like the offensive line from 2015 and 2016 at times. They have been very inconsistent. They've given up a lot of sacks. They didn't give up any of this last game, but it's a little misleading because Russell Wilson made some remarkable plays evading pressure back there from the Saints. And so it was one of those things stats sometimes can tell you the wrong picture compared to when you watch the film. But uh, I really really want to see what the Cardinals are going to ha- be able to do working against Tyler Lockett, who's coming off of a career-high 11 receptions, 154 yards against the Saints defense. And really the big X factor on their offense right now, that's DK Metcalf. And probably maybe there's a chance that Byron Murphy, the rookie out of Washington, all the people in the Pacific Northwest know him really well. Maybe there's a chance that he ends up getting some reps against him and certainly a very solid young corner. But DK Metcalf's kind of been a matchup problem for defenses these first couple weeks. And so I'm interested to see if Seattle, if they can get enough protection there. That's the key here. If they can get enough protection for Russell Wilson to be able to scan, look downfield, this feels like a game to me that that explosive downfield passing game, the opportunities should be there for them. If the, if the Carolina Panthers are able to do what they did last week, I think the Seahawks have better weapons on the outside, and certainly they have a better quarterback coming into town this week. That being said... This is Arizona, which has kind of been a house of horrors for the Seattle Seahawks hmm. the last couple of years. So they can come in here red hot with their offense, and then they come out flat in Arizona. I don't know what it is. Maybe with this secondary not having Patrick Peterson, that'll be a big difference maker. They'll be able to move the ball through the air. But it also feels like it could be a game they could run the ball down Arizona's throat too, maybe get Chris Carson going after having some fumble issues the first few games of the year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Pete Carroll, this offense, decides to do with Russell Wilson, as you said, playing at such a high level. And it's it's kind of funny to say this, Corbin, but that he's this healthy at this stage in the season. It feels like forever since that's happened. Am I right by saying that? I mean, he's always seems to be like dealing with maybe an ankle issue, maybe a knee issue here or there. It seems like early in the season he seems to get dinged up, and then he's just kind of worn down for the rest of the season. He's playing kind of hurt for the rest of the season. He's, t- he's a tough guy, believe it or not. But to see him at nearly 100%, I, I feel like I haven't seen it for a while. 
I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Maybe he's had a few little nicks and bruises. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that's never missed a start in his NFL career. And I will say this. I will say this compared to previous seasons. I think he looks more spry right now as a scrambler than he has in two or three years. Yeah. So maybe there were a few injuries. A few years back, he had a knee issue that he was dealing with, but he played every single game, continued to put up big numbers, passing the football. Uh, but he was not as much of a threat running the ball. They have not been wanting him to run very much. At this stage, he's becoming a better pocket passer, and that's good news because he's going to get, as he continues to get older, going to be tougher for him to be able to run on other teams and move the ball with his legs. But he's still very capable, and he, last week, had a couple huge runs in that football game, a couple touchdown runs in the end zone. So, I mean, he's yeah. still a factor. The Seahawks are just trying to limit how much they are running read option stuff because they don't want to expose him to hits. It's understandable, but he's still absolutely a weapon in that regard. So as far as health goes, you know, maybe he had a few little uh, nicks and bruises he was dealing with that were limiting his speed, but he just looks more explosive as a runner this year than he has been in prior seasons. So it, maybe you're onto something there, but he's certainly been healthy enough. He's played in every game for him. Yeah, you know what you brought. I want to get back to something you said about uh, DK Metcalf, who has looked very good and maybe surprised a lot of people. They thought maybe he was just like a workout monster, a guy that just had a great body and kind of a one-trick pony. They thought he could just run straight really fast, but he's shown to be more of a playmaker than a lot of people expected. Him versus Byron Murphy, I would be intrigued by that matchup. I would love to see the two rookies go after each other uh, on Sunday. Uh, you talk about another guy from UW that you're familiar with there in the Pacific Northwest. Buda Maker is a guy that's been great as far as he's been a tackling machine. He's been forcing from fumbles, but we haven't seen him as a ball-hawking safety yet. I'd like to see him maybe earn his first career interception. It's a tough task going up against a guy like Russell Wilson who takes such great care of the football. And then you talk about a guy like Tyler Lockett. Is that going to be a matchup for Murphy? Is that going to be a matchup for Tremaine Brock, who's familiar with the NFC West? Uh, but he's been on the opposite end of a few good plays here and there and a few bad plays here and there early in the season for the Cardinals. And a guy like Lockett, uh, we give fits to the uh, to the veteran cornerback, that's for sure. I would be curious about that matchup just simply because Brock was briefly with the Seahawks yeah. in a training camp a few years ago. But I, I look at his game and when he was on the 49ers even, and this was before Lockett came into the league. So we haven't really had a chance to see those two going up against each other. But I would think that that would be an advantage for Tyler Lockett just with his route running savvy, his quickness, his ability to get downfield. So I look at that as an area that can be exploited. If you're looking at Arizona, if they can pass protect well enough to me, when they're on offense, they can exploit the Seahawks throwing the football. If Kyler Murray can get away from pressure and extend plays, absolutely you can, you can light up the Seahawks doing that. I look at players like Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf going against the secondary. I like Buda Baker a lot. I like Byron Murphy a lot. I think those guys have a lot of upside. But I still see that being the area that the Seahawks offensively had to be licking their chops a little bit, just seeing what the Carolina Panthers were able to do. And I'm going to throw another name out there. I know Greg Olson gave the Cardinals a lot of fits. He did. And Will Disley is having a phenomenal second season coming off a torn patellar tendon. He's already got three touchdowns in three games, and he's really emerging as a dual-threat tight end for the Seahawks. That's one of the reasons they were willing to trade Nick Vanette yesterday. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, Vance Joseph, unfortunately, kind of has the calling card, whether he's a head coach or what. now he's the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, of tight ends just uh, having field days against coach teams coached by Joseph. 
And I don't think that slows down on Sunday. You mentioned Greg Olson, 75 yards, two touchdowns against the Cardinals in week three. Before that, Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens, very talented young tight end. He had 100 yards and a score. And then in week one, TJ Hawkinson, the first round pick from the Detroit Lions, went for 100 yards in a score. So I would not be shocked if Disley does not continue that horrible trend for the Arizona Cardinals defense in the tight end, just having a great day. And then uh, Luke Wilson just recently re-signed with the Seahawks this week. Uh, he looks to get back into the fold, but probably more from a blocking standpoint, probably more from keeping and helping keep a guy like uh, Russell Wilson upright, but also some familiarity there between Wilson and, and Wilson. Yeah, the Wilson-to-Wilson connection is going to be back alive, and we'll have to wait and see. Wilson had a little over 1,100 receiving yards in the five years with the Seahawks. So he's a capable receiver, not going to put up huge numbers, but he is also one of the few players the Seahawks have that has had a lot of success in Arizona. There's a few games that he's had big receptions. I think two of the longest receptions in his career have happened in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So. The one thing to keep an eye on here, he played when he was in Seattle, it was with Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. So he he left before Schottenheimer took over. So he does have to learn a new offense. They run a lot of similar concepts. So I expect he's going to be able to play some for them this weekend. But certainly uh, I would think he's going to have to ramp up his workload after a week or two as he's still adjusting to that. But he's going to get some snaps. They only have one other healthy tight end on the roster. They do have George Fant that can play the position as well. I- I'm still waiting for the 330-pound ex-basketball player to get another pass thrown his direction. <laughs> Maybe this is the game that he hauls in another pass downfield. I mean, I've seen him do it at practice. Sure. He'll run seam routes, a 330-pound guy, and he can catch the ball. So wow. I'm waiting for that to happen again in a game, and hopefully this time he doesn't eat the turf monster like he did last year. <laughs> One last part of this, the Seahawks offense versus the Cardinals defense, and you mentioned a little bit, but Chris Carson, Rashard Penny, uh, and then also who was known as a bulldozer early in his career with the Cardinals after he came over from San Francisco. I want to hear about Mike Upati and the early returns from the big blocking guard, uh, more kind of geared towards run blocking. What should we expect from this this rushing attack, are we going to see Chris Carson, who might have a little fumbleitis? Are the Seahawks going to try to get him right against a suspect Cardinals rush defense? It sounds absolutely like that's the plan. Pete Carroll today made it very clear that Chris Carson is our guy. He's going to get the football. The thing is, he's played well. He His fumble on Sunday against the Saints was at the end of a 23-yard run. I mean, he's, he's playing well. It's just he keeps turning the ball over, so you're going to get to a point if that keeps happening where you have to put your other backs in the game because there becomes trust issues. But they clearly believe that Chris Carson is going to get this turned around, and he's a guy that can also do damage as a receiver out of the backfield. He's still their guy, and like I mentioned earlier, you you just alluded to it as well, Carolina Christian McCaffrey was running all over the Cardinals last week. I look at this as a game that Carson and and honestly, I think Rashad Penny, he's coming off a hamstring injury. He missed last week's game, but he practiced today. Mm-hmm. Rashad Penny to me is a guy that looking at his skill set, he is the more explosive in terms of uh, top line speed of those two backs. To me, he's a guy if he gets into empty and into open space against his Cardinals defense, with what McCaffrey just did, he becomes a bigger threat. So I could see him having a big part in the game plan this week because of his strengths going into this game. Incredible insight, of course. Everything Seattle Seahawks given 
Corbin Smith a follow on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL of course locked on Seahawks that's why we love doing this each and every week kind of getting the insight from across enemy lines as cliche as that sounds but that's why we love crossover Wednesday Corbin thank you so much for your time we appreciate it hopefully we've uh, given you enough information about this Cardinals team struggling going into week four looking forward to the matchup my man Yep, absolutely. It's going to be fun, and I'll make sure to give the scouting report here to Coach Carroll when I get a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.